Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. So are you ready to get started? <laughs> I love the questioning look. Yes, I'm very ready. <laughs> also, my name is Sydney. <laughs> and I'm Jess. And this is Malpractice Podcast. <laughs> anyway, tell me about your baby kitten. <laughs> okay. Um, we introduced, we have two other cats and we found a baby kitten in a storm drain. If this is your first time listening, her name is Marmalade. She's a baby angel. Marmy. We introduced her to our other two cats, which I know means that we have three cats, which objectively I think is too many cats. <laughs> three is a lot of cats. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. She is attacking our two older cats like a furry little missile. She runs and launches herself at them. Oh, my God. But she's really cute, so they're kind of tolerating it. She's so cute. They like her. Boy cat is probably like, I'm cute. You get away. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because she likes me a lot, and Bubby's like, that's my mom, yeah. my cat mom, not yours. And the girl cat <laughs> hates defensive. everyone. <laughs> Correct. Except Eric. She does like my husband, Eric. Yeah. Okay, we have a story oh. that Jess told me for the first time <laughs> when we saw each other the other day. <laughs> and now she's going to tell our oh listeners because you got permission to tell this story. I did get permission to tell the story. We were So I was driving. Did we say that I was driving to see you? Did that make it into the podcast? I think it did, yeah. Well, allegedly there was an accident, some sort of situation. There was a allegedly. situation, and it led us to stories about the fact that we are both better drivers than our significant others. Yeah. For instance, Eric, oh, yeah. my dear sweet husband Eric, has totaled one, two, three, let me not get this wrong, four cars? Four? I thought it was three. I think it's three. Okay, you're right. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I think it's three. He's on his fourth car. He's on his fourth car since I've known him. That is a that's way too many cars. And it's always it's always stories that I'm like, I hear what you're saying. It doesn't sound like your fault from your perspective, but could a better driver have gotten out of that situation without totaling a car? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the playhouse story? <laughs> Okay, okay. For example, Eric was driving on the highway. Allegedly, this is how it went down. I'm, I guess I have to take his side, right? Okay. I mean, this is a safe space. No one's hearing you. Fair enough. <laughs> Allegedly, Eric was driving on the highway, and he was behind a truck that had a playhouse in it. And all of a sudden, again, allegedly, this playhouse, like a children's playhouse that children can go in, so that that big, fell out of the back of this car onto the hood of his car and, like, smashed into a gajillion pieces, but also, like, destroyed his car, obviously. How close was he tailgating? That's my question. People. That's my question, right? Is it, if it fell yeah. on, <laughs> if it fell onto the hood of your car, then you must have been pretty close to the back of this truck. You're super close, yeah. So could a better driver have avoided that? I don't know. I mean, yes. But these are the things I deal with. But then he, he always has the backup, right, of like the insurance company rules that it's not his fault. Yes, because strictly speaking, something did fall out of a car. So the insurance is like, we got you, dog. Every time. 
every time. But I'm like, how many times is the insurance company going to believe that? Little do you know that the insurance company executives were invited to your wedding as a bribe. Right. Right. I'd be like, if I were them, I'd be like, it's time to investigate because this motherfucker is hitting everything. (laughs) He's actually knocking things out of cars and then getting in his car and getting hit. Anyway. Knock on wood, <laughs> Eric has always been safe in these incidents. That's the other kind of suspicious thing, though. It is suspicious, right? I mean, yeah. thank <laughs> the universe. Why are you so sus of Eric? But I'm so suspicious. <laughs> if I were the insurance company, I would be like, you are lying, period. <laughs> yeah. This many bad car driving things cannot happen to one person. Yeah. Right? Wrong. Okay. So Jess has a story that she has been authorized to share. <laughs> Yeah, so I had never told Sydney this story, actually. Um, Which I could not believe. Because Michelle was like, do not tell anyone that this happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Fair enough. (laughs) Relatively soon after Michelle and I started dating. She was in love with Michelle from, like, day one. Immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. Michelle's amazing. You did tell me on your first date that y'all were getting married, and I was like, you sound nuts. And I stand by that statement. Well, you have to. I am currently married today. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but Michelle's amazing, right? The one, the one thing, the one thing about Michelle is Michelle's not a great driver. Mm -hmm. We might've been together like a month. Okay. Two months. We're dating. We're pulling in to her apartment complex. Now she lived at that Amley in Houston. Mm -hmm. It's nice. And you go under, you park underneath. Mm Mm-hmm. As bougie people do. Sure. And there's a gate like a, mm-hmm. that you click your button, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a gate that opens and closes because you can't just go in there willy-nilly. You have to have a clicker. Sure. So we're... Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting anxious thinking about this because it was a wild ride. <laughs> so um, we're after a car. Like, a car is pulled through the gate. Michelle's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. She doesn't click the clicker. But she goes through the gate. She's trying to sneak. She's trying to sneak. Now, I didn't think anything of this because the gate, are su- they're supposed to be like. Like a motion sensor. It's supposed to have a motion sensor that stops it from. Right. Yeah. But this gate, mm-hmm. no. This <laughs> gate didn't stop and it squished <laughs> the car. It squished it. Yeah. Now, you're thinking probably that I was like, oh my God, or mm-hmm. verbal, vocal. I didn't say a word. I just sat shocked in silence. Being smushed. Being squished. <laughs> yes. And then she doesn't say anything either. Mm-hmm. So it the the gate hits the car, dents it, mm-hmm. then pulls back out like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like the gate was like, oh, my bad. After it smushed you. So I didn't say anything. I'm just like sitting up straight, kind of like big eyes like yeah because also this is like right after you started dating someone that you're really into so you're trying to be cool about it i was trying to be cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm like just click the clicker god damn it <laughs> so then we parked and she was like why didn't you say anything oh huh <laughs> and i was like are you reverse mad at me because you got squished yeah that was you she got reverse mad at you <laughs> i was like well, and now I'm, like, obsessed with clicking the button, like, 45 times yeah. before we can... I'm scared that the gate... While we're going through, I'm like, click, 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 click. You're clicking it. Like, I have past trauma. Understand that, gate. I mean, what does one say? I'm so glad Michelle's letting you tell this story because it's hilarious. Me too. I thought she wasn't going to. Yeah. It is her one flaw, I will say. The driving? The driving. Fair. <laughs> fair. I have gotten better because I'm, like... 
been squished by a somebody gate, in you know, the relationship. Changes you. <laughs> <laughs> somebody in the relationship has to be. It has to be me. A good driver. It's me now. It's also me. Oh yeah. If you're the bad driver in the relationship, know that about yourself and cop to it. Yeah. And then you have to be, like, on snack duty. You're the co-pilot. You're on snack duty. You're on maps duty, DJ duty. Yeah, but then you have to let the driver pick. Sure. I like to listen to murder podcasts. and Same. Well, thinking, thinking, nope. Well, speaking, we're not thinking about it. We're, we're speaking about it. Speaking about mm. murder. And murder podcasts. Dun, dun, dun. Today we're covering a murder and everybody who's listened to the show knows that we love discussing medical crime. I'm dancing. And it's important to say up front, it's not that we love crime. The killers, we love talking about this because it's horrifying. Yeah, and we love calling people out for their bullshit. Oh, absolutely. When people get caught and held accountable, and that I'll stand by. Absolutely. Period. We're here for it. So today we're talking about William George Davis, the murder nurse. Specifically, he has recently been sentenced for killing four patients at a hospital in Tyler, Texas, which is very close to our hometown in East Texas. For anyone who's not from around here, just a little update about Tyler. Tyler's like three hours north of Houston. Population is like 106,000. It's a pretty, like, medium-sized city. It's a big city. Compared to where we're from. Oh. That's where people would go and get their prom dress. Exactly. Your prom dresses, your... If you were going out to, like, a really nice dinner, back-to-school shopping, the only Nordstrom within, like, a five-hour radius of our hometown is in Tyler. Yeah. It also has a lot of hospitals, and it kind of serves as, like, the big city for the surrounding rural communities in, in the hospital sense, too. So... Yeah. If there's, like, a really complicated case in a small town that's outside of this area, they'll send them to Tyler. As they should. Right. <laughs> no one's trying to give you your first crack at it. No. No. Go to Tyler. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the, the case that you learn on. No, absolutely not. No. So, fun fact, also the Adopt-A-Highway program... Everybody knows about that probably, but it's like local civic groups and organizations can pledge to keep a part of the roadway litter-free. That was first started in Tyler, Texas. Cool. Isn't that interesting? I mean... I don't know why. You love a fun fact. I, I also hate litter. That's one thing you can know about me. I do not like litter. Yeah, you don't. Um, it's also considered the Rose Capital of Texas, and they actually have a, a Texas Rose Festival every year, which is really cool. Oh, my God. I did not know that. That's cool. But what we're talking about today is on the much darker side of this little metropolitan area. So we actually first became aware of this particular MSK or medical serial killer when friend of the podcast, Bruce Sackman. <laughs> I love retired Bruce. Retired special agent. We love him. Bruce. <laughs> Bruce is our BFF. And he sent us a link with the story. I think it was like December of last year he sent us this link. Well, we've been keeping an eye on him, and we can say as of last year, he has been convicted and sentenced. So we thought with more details coming out about his crimes, we'd go ahead and give you guys the lowdown. So thanks, Bruce. As always, you're the best. Come back anytime. Shout out. He's amazing. So I am ready to be embarrassed by Texas for the 100th time this month. We also seem to have a lot of really weird medical serial killers, well, right? I I hope it's because we're big. Uh-huh. And there's just a lot of space for people to live here. Maybe. And make mistakes. We got a lot of fuckaroos here. We do. So <clears throat> William Davis is a murder nurse in this, our very own home state. So thanks. Yeah. He is 38 as of 2022. 
I have been calling him Willie Davy. <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> As I was like researching and taking notes, mm-hmm. I hate him and I want him. I don't want to say his name. Also, William Davis is like the most bland. His middle name is George too. Three standard names in a row. In a row, right? He was often called Will by his coworkers and friends, so you might hear him referred to as that. Mm-hmm. Crazy thing about Willie Davy. <laughs> Was, um, he was really well liked. Mm-hmm. He was friendly, reliable. Within the five years he had worked at the last place of his employment, mm-hmm. he had absolutely no major disciplinary marks on his record to indicate he was capable of being a murderer. Though I don't know what those would be like. Murderous tendencies cited. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stared at the needle a bit too long. Felt a little weird. Like, right. I don't know what it would Seems be. Seems like a creep. Yeah. Feels right. creepy. Creepy energy. <laughs> Um, but there was nothing to, like, alert anyone. Yeah. Where I think we've talked about some MSKs in the past where it's like... Somebody knew. People were like, this guy is weird. Right. Like Michael Swango. People knew kind of up front. Right. Yes. Something's wrong. Exactly. There was no something wrong vibe with this guy, per se. Mm-hmm. Until he started, you know, murdering. Right. You feel a little murdery to me. So he worked for at least five years at... Christus Trinity Mother Francis Hospital in Tyler, Texas, which, oh my God, shorten <laughs> your freaking name. I'm sure they... If there's an emergency and someone has to go, I need to go to Christus Trinity Mother Francis Hospital. Like, what the hell? No, it's too long. Immediately, no. Mother Francis. Pick one of the four names. Christus Trinity. One or the other. And just Both is a lot. It. Anyway. I, I love it. <laughs> before... So he's working there for five years before anyone was like, oh my God, murder vibes. And then... 2017 and everything changed. Yeah. Before coming to the facility in Tyler, Davis apparently worked for Christus Good Shepherd Medical Center in Longview. Another terrible name. God damn. Christus Good Shepherd. That's a long one. And also, I just think if it's a hospital, you need to, you know how they name um, hurricanes? That's the energy I need. One, one name. Short and sweet. It's a hospital. Like, yeah. Something's hospital. That's it. Also, I know they're going for, like, a Jesus vibe, but I don't think of, like, shepherds as being, like, a good thing around a hospital. Because it kind of sounds like there might be sheep around. I don't trust it. Also, why do you have to say good shepherd? Is there a bad shepherd? <laughs> no. Just shepherd. Is there, like, an evil shepherd out there who's getting, like, a Murdery creepy evaluation? Shepherd. Yeah. Not nice guy shepherd. What's going Feels on? Feels like creepy anyway. energy. Okay. Please contact us for renaming advice. Yeah, we're happy to help. S&J Consultants. He worked at Bad Shepherd Hospital. (laughs) That would be hilarious. From 2011 to 2013. And allegedly, at the first hospital he worked at, there were no incidents that made anyone think that his later actions were like a continuation of something that started in the first place. So they think the incidents were isolated to Christus Trinity Mother Francis. Oh, my God. Specifically, here's an even longer name. Specifically, he worked for the Christus Trinity Mother Francis Louis and Peaches Owen Hart Hospital. That's the full name of their heart care facility. Stop with the names. It's too long. Also, the wife's name was Peaches, and I'm in love with that. I don't know why I love it. Are you joking? No. You don't like it? A little baby named Peaches? That wouldn't be cute. A person named Peaches? Yeah. I love it. What about a person named Apple? (laughs) Why not? It's weird. No. Immediately no. Get all the fruits in here. Cantaloupe. Why not? Cantaloupe. 
<laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm about calling that one. your child cantaloupe when you have one. That seems fair. And they're gonna be like, "Why are you calling me that?" And be like, "Ask your mom." <laughs> Ask your mom. She's a lunatic. And and let her know that I'm calling you peaches next month. <laughs> so inside this peaches unit, he was specifically caring for patients inside a cardiac intensive care unit. So it was usually people who were recovering from major cardiac procedures, Got it. like heart bypasses, things like that. Very serious stuff. Correct. And that was exactly the case for one patient named Jesus Serrano, who awoke from a serious heart surgery in 2017. He was feeling good. He FaceTimes his daughter. They have a good conversation. Uh, Doctors told family members that they viewed Serrano's surgery, which had been performed under emergency conditions. So I think he had a heart attack, came into the hospital. This is my understanding. Yeah, no, I, I saw the same. Had a heart attack, came into the hospital. So it was like an emergency procedure. But the doctors viewed it as a complete success, which made what happened next especially puzzling. Overnight, Serrano slipped into a coma that no one could really explain. And there was this nurse working there, an RN named Natalie Kelly, who worked with Davis. And she said in her testimony that when she left this patient's room, Mr. Serrano was awake, alert. He was moving. He took his medication orally. He even ate an apple, which, like, after surgery... If you're doing all those things, you're FaceTiming your daughter on your own, things are going well. That's crazy. So Kelly was caring for three other patients, or for for two other patients, so three patients total. So she briefly left Mr. Serrano's room to check on her other patients. When she came back, William Davis, our MSK, was standing over the patient who he said had become unresponsive and was requiring intubation. Which basically means, at this point, they're afraid he can't breathe on his own. Apparently, at this point, Davis asked his fellow nurse, Natalie Kelly, to remove a syringe from the arterial line and go ahead and cap it. Like, put the cap back on it like you're done with that syringe. Which she says, at the time, she thought was odd, but because Davis was a more experienced nurse than her, she did as she was told, essentially without questioning it. Never do anything without questioning it. Right. Always question weird shit. That is the tagline of this. Correct. It feels like in all of these cases, there's always one incident, at least, where someone is like, I thought it was weird, but then I didn't make a big deal out of it. And it's like, maybe you should go ahead and make a big deal out of it. And then if there's nothing behind it, the person is cleared and you're fine. If in doubt, freak out. Oh, I love that. That is my motto. Somebody put that on a shirt right now. (laughs) That is me. If in doubt, freak out. That's me. Worst case scenario, Jess. You, you... Freak out, and then you ask questions later, right? A period. You think someone's following you? Pepper spray them. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that. Well, what did you say that one time? Pee in the Pee street. Pee in the street. <laughs> if you feel like it's warranted, do if it. Out, freak out. I love it. I love it, too. That's the new tagline of our show. So Davis was initially accused of injecting air into the arterial lines of four different patients after they had heart surgery at Christus Trinity in... Tyler, Texas, in 2017 and 2018. The known victims that we now know he murdered were named John Lafferty, Ronald Clark, Christopher Greenaway, Joseph 
Kalina. So those were the four that we know for sure he has been convicted of murdering, who all suffered unexplained neurological problems and passed away while under his care. Yeah. Many more victims, like Mr. Jesus Serrano, survived but often remained forever changed by their interactions with Davis. The next time Serrano saw his beloved daughter Kayla, who he had FaceTimed after getting out of surgery, he didn't even remember who she was because he had essentially had a severe stroke. In court, Kayla said, It was just like a blur. They're just like, your dad's in a coma. The guy that you guys see there, that's not my dad anymore. He doesn't smile. He doesn't take pictures of me. He doesn't call me. He doesn't talk to me. He lost all his memory. When he woke up, he thought I was a nurse. He asked who I was. She basically says that now her father requires almost constant supervision for regular daily tasks like eating and using the restroom, which is a horrible consequence, especially after he was doing so well immediately following his surgery. And it was so unexpected. So I would argue he also murdered her dad. Right. Because he's not the same. That's her argument, too. Yeah. We'll talk about this later, but there were cases, there were more cases that they just couldn't conclusively prove. Yeah. I think what we've learned through doing this podcast is oftentimes the prosecutors, the DAs, will get as much evidence as they can that they feel super confident when they feel like they have the right person that they can, like, get a conviction. So whether or not it's all-inclusive of all the wrongdoings, it might not get there as long as they feel like they can move forward. Exactly. And, and like, get a real conviction and, like, some sort of, like, consequence. Right, 100%. And in some of the cases we've seen, they might bring additional charges later, later if the person doesn't get enough time or they are worried that they're getting less than what they deserve for the crimes that they committed they might bring additional charges later but in this case we know for sure he has been convicted of four murders at least yeah so the patients who are all who were murdered all suffered massive stroke-like symptoms as um, as they were recovering from cardiac surgery. While many of the patients who had this strange set of symptoms in common survived the initial stroke, many were left with severe permanent damage. So there's like two buckets of people, mm-hmm. the people who he, he murdered and then the people who he attempted to murder and like right. was unsuccessful, but he caused like long-lasting harm to them and often permanent harm. Which I have really mixed feelings about attempted murder. Yeah. No, I agree. Because it feels like you're getting off lighter because you did a bad job of being a murderer. I think that there should be a classification in the middle where it's like you... Attempted murder, but they're they're quote-unquote fine now. Mm -hmm. They survived and they have all of their... Everything Faculties and everything's good. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Then there's murder. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle, there's attempted murder and you permanently damage them, and that should be a more severe. I think they might have that, like, grievous bodily harm. I'd love it. Line it up for this guy specifically. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so the doctors were like super confused Mm -hmm. they were like essentially at a loss of why these people had died they were they couldn't explain what had happened so especially because all of the patients were in recovery from surgery yeah and they were like doing well so they started like doing some research because after someone dies like that in the hospital you have to like go through and find out Mm -hmm. what happened especially if it keeps happening something has gone wrong right something is wrong in the process someone's doing something something's going on if we've learned nothing from Grey's Anatomy doctors get held accountable exactly then they saw these CT scans um, and that showed air in the patient's brains the hospital was like 
like, mm, we have to investigate this because that right. is not normal. And that is the likely the cause of death. And they noticed a pattern that was like really frightening. At first, it just seemed like a horrible coincidence. And then those investigating noticed that Willie Davy mm-hmm. was seen on footage going into rooms and then of these murdered patients. Yeah. And then moments later the patient's conditions would worsen and he would, like, either leave or people would run in. During the trial, the prosecutors played security camera footage showing Davey entering the room of one of his patients. Three minutes later, the patient's heart monitor alarm sounded and then he passed away. Right. So it's almost immediate Mm -hmm. after he's leaving, which feels pretty obvious. Like, this is why we say that he's stupid, because it happened so soon after you left the patient's room that they connected the dots fairly quickly. I mean, four is a lot of people. Eleven is a lot of people, right? But he was not hiding it. Right. Right. It seems like he's not even making an effort to hide it. He's not doing a good job. Right. So they start having these suspicions. They start checking the security cameras. And then essentially that's it, right? They see... They see the CT scans that show air in the brain. And so during the trial, lawyers call to the stand Dr. William Turner, who's a heart surgeon at the same hospital, to ask him about these cases. They first talked about Mr. Serrano, and Dr. Turner said that while strokes during or immediately after surgery aren't impossible, yeah, but both of these cases happening right on top of one another were very suspicious, particularly because... After Dr. Turner had also operated on Chris Greenaway, one of Davis's murder victims, the surgery went really well. Greenaway was awake and talking to family members. And Dr. Turner said in both of those cases, immediately following the surgery, because they were doing so well, it eliminates the possibility that something went wrong during the procedure. Correct. Mm -hmm. Like air didn't get into their brains during the procedure because... You just talked about the one where it's three minutes later. So these patients are fine for hours after the surgery. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Davis is on call in this critical care unit, and all of a sudden, patients are dying. Mm-hmm. Um, during his time on the stand, Dr. Turner also said, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the mechanism of injury uh, was an air embolus. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was introduced through a radial arc line. And I conveyed that to anybody and everybody who would listen to me. I raised hell. So it's not some long, drawn-out investigation. They're like, okay, we just have to figure out who's doing this because someone is clearly doing it. Right. They then discovered essentially what exactly he was doing, and this is kind of terrifying to me that you can just do this with a syringe. So he was basically using an empty syringe to inject air into patients' IV lines. So as you're recovering from surgery, you have an IV, saline, drugs, fluids are being entered into your system using these IV lines. And apparently all good nurses are very cautious about the accidental injection of air during the administration of IV fluids. Like, it's a thing called a venous air or venous gas embolism. Yeah. And the lethal dose for humans is considered theoretically between three and five milliliters per kilogram. So a very small amount of air entered into your IV line could theoretically cause your death. 
An embolism happens when something basically blocks the flow of blood through a vein or artery. So an air embolism would cause neurological symptoms like a stroke, and that would be called a cerebral venous air embolism, or CVAE. And those are relatively rare, despite what Davis's defense attorney, Philip Hayes, said, because he was trying to make the case that these are really common. This could have happened to anyone. It was totally an accident. And it's not that common. Mm. Because the amount of air that you have to inject into the IV to get the into the IV line to get this to happen is apparently pretty high. Like it doesn't happen to nurses accidentally very often. So the fact that it would happen eleven separate times is real sketchy. Also, he's not like a new a brand new nurse. That's the other thing. Oh no, he's been working for a long time. Right. Like he's an experienced nurse. He knew, he would know theoretically not to do this. And basically the mechanism of that is that air bubbles introduced into circulating blood would then travel to the brain where they would be diagnosed as a round dark spot on a CT scan. And they would usually be given a CT scan because they would have what what is essentially a stroke because the air bubble would occlude the blood vessel, meaning it would block the blood flow, which is exactly what happens during a a stroke. So it basically induces a stroke. Right. And while this kind of thing can happen during surgery, like I said, it's pretty rare. So for it to be happening to this many patients in a pretty short window means that something was very clearly wrong. Yeah. And he's so dumb. He's on camera walking in and out of these rooms. (laughs) Correct. Not covering his tracks at all. Yeah, immediately, no. That's a red flag. If we've learned one thing, we've learned seven things from Bruce Sackman. And he is like, how many stop signs Mm -hmm. does someone have to race through before you arrest them? Correct. Feels like there's some stop signs here being run through. It feels like there's stop signs being run through. And it feels to me like the fact that this happened to 11 patients. And what I will say is in all of the news articles, they say that the hospital was very responsive and very cooperative. Oh, yeah. I saw the same. The hospital, as soon as I think they had enough... They were like, Mm -hmm. four people were murdered. Right. Come here, police. (laughs) Yeah. This man, and they put him on administrative leave or they suspended him. As soon as they started investigating. Yeah. And then they fired him. So I think the hospital did a good job. I think. Yeah. And Bruce Sackman has talked about this. It's just the fact that it takes, you have to have this data collection. Yeah. To prove that there's a pattern, which sucks. That always kills us. That's always the part where we're like, oh my God, like, why couldn't you figure out with one person? Why couldn't Yeah. But he didn't have any signs. Sometimes people are creepy, mm-hmm. but he has no creepy signs. His coworkers all liked him. Yeah. So in the trial, a Dallas area pulmonologist, oh, okay, mm. um, and a professor explained to the jury, which thank you for doing this, like as someone who has never been on a jury, because <laughs> if I didn't tell you, my jury duty was canceled on me. Yeah, just I'm. I'm so sorry. Fine. I know I should be happy, but I'm sorry for your loss. I would need someone to come in and explain things like this to me. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, he he went in. And explained how injecting air into the arterial system of the mm-hmm. causes brain injury and death. So he sat there and he was asking, answering questions for the prosecutor. He said that the blood pressure issues or any other cause of death wouldn't be possible with what he was seeing there because the complications were during recovery. So he basically went in for for the prosecution and was like, anything that the defense attorney is going to say to you about what could have happened is it's not possible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here. Philip Hayes, the defense attorney, said the hospital had issues and they were like using 
Willie Davy as a, as a scapegoat is what he said. Right. However, that was kind of a bust because the prosecutor responded and said, like, there were no hospital issues. And since Willie Davy left. Right. We have not changed any procedures so, and no other incidents has happened. If so, it's a hospital problem, then why hasn't it happened again so, since 2017? Who, who, right. what, when, where? So prosecutors initially indicted him on charges of harming at least 11 patients by injecting air into their arterial lines or venous systems. In addition to the four victims he murdered, two others died later, but those cases prosecutors said would have been harder to prove, so they decided against it. Because I think in this case, is it, it essentially has to be... Like, they want it to be all or nothing, right? Yeah, yeah. Three other patients who didn't die were left with permanent debilitating injuries. Initial charges included capital murder of multiple people, murder, and five counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Davis initially pled not guilty to all charges. Trash. He was actually fired about a month before he was arrested in April of 2018. And apparently... A month before he was arrested, Davis, they looked at his computer later, and they found that he looked at an article online. Like, he searched this in his little search bar on his—he Googled this. Quote, list of serial killers by number of victims. (laughs) He also found on the laptop that Davis used, his laptop—this agent's name is John Day, just to give credit— he searched, quote, Mother Francis Hospital or fully searched Mother Francis Hospital plus investigating possible serial killer. Yeah. And arguably this guy's an idiot. <laughs> oh, 100%. That's a mic drop moment. Like you just walk out of the courtroom because who besides us, I guess, is searching for that. <laughs> yeah. But who is under investigation searching for that? Only guilty people. Right. You're, that's a guilty vibe. That's a guilty vibe right there. You're guilty as fuck. If I was on that jury, which, please God, one day, mm-hmm. bitch is guilty immediately. <laughs> All you have to tell me is that one Wait, special who? agent was like, yeah, he was searching for s- serial killer. Which, I'm like, okay, if they searched my computer, when we're in the middle of doing an episode, if they searched my computer, they would find so many medical serial killer searches. But you are not in a hospital. But I'm not the one being investigated for those things. <laughs> You're not William George <laughs> no, Davis. Correct. As William George Davis, I would have not looked that up. No, you should maybe do that in a public place where there's no com- cameras. Or never. Google it. You should be thinking about your escape, Correct. bitch. Where are you going? Like, the next Google search should have been flights to Aruba. Period. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Do they suspend your passport when you're under criminal investigation? That should have been the next search. But he didn't think that. Um, Not that we're telling you how to be a good serial killer, because we would never. No. If you're a serial killer and you're listening to this, fuck you. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. We don't want you. <laughs> we don't need your subscriber numbers. <laughs> nope. Don't want him. Never heard of you. Never heard of you. So Deb Chalet, the VP of Operations and Cardiac Services for this hospital, testified that she noticed some inconsistencies in Willie's recollection of events leading to the brain damage and death of some patients, specifically this one patient, Colina, who was recovering from surgery at the cardiovascular unit. He has a profound neurological event at around 1 a.m. that causes significant brain damage. She testifies for the court that the nurse who last saw the patient would be required and expected to share what they saw, like a morbidity and mortality kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. what happened. But that never happened. 
Instead, during the conversation about what had happened to Kalina, Davis said that he went into the room to silence an IV pump that had an alarm going off. He said it thought it would be helpful to a colleague and didn't think he needed to share that with anyone. Yeah. He's just... And so he was immediately placed on suspension. The hospital was like, what? Which props to the hospital for acting quickly. Yeah. The hospital was like, you done fucked up, my dude. He is also... I think he also thought he was smarter than he was because... They all do. They do. There were recorded conversations between Deb and Willie, and in those conversations, he said weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, he said there appeared to be blood in Kalina's arterial line, and he wanted to flush the line. So Deb asked him, like, okay, can you send a summary of the meeting, the phone calls, your recollection of events to you via email? And I think they do that to, like, catch somebody. Mm-hmm. And they caught him because he's stupid. And in the email, he said that Kalina complained of an ivy line bothering him, and that was when he noticed the blood in the line. In the same email, he said he didn't know if he caused the complications or not, but never wanted to intentionally hurt anyone, which is a weird thing to say. Very weird. In an email. And Deb said that should have been told to someone immediately like if you go into a room and there's blood where there shouldn't be blood that's an alarm it's time to talk about that yeah you need to alarm everyone about that Mm -hmm. and then to make matters worse for willie kalina was wearing a bi pap mask like a bipap mask which would have made him Mm -hmm. being able to communicate about a line hurting him and being uncomfortable Really difficult. So right. basically, he was lying. Felt like he was lying in, in the email. Like almost immediately. Yeah. If you, in an email about what happened, immediately say, I never intentionally hurt anyone. That means you hurt them. Guilty. Yeah. As charged. Yeah. The former Tyler Police Department detective Jeff Roberts testified about a three-hour conversation he had with uh, Willie Davey, mm-hmm. which honestly... My worst nightmare to have a three-hour conversation with him. He's an idiot. Correct. He said that Davey said the conversation, I care greatly about my patients and their health care. Okay. Right. Okay. When he tried to get Willie to get specific about patients, it didn't work. He would be very vague, and then he would, like, speak in third person. Ew. About the situation in which he w- was an active participant. First of all, that in and of itself is a crime. That is a crime. That is criminal. Have you ever heard someone say their name like, oh, Willie does this. Will does... Weird. Ugh. Go straight to jail. Straight to jail. So Davey said that there was air in the system mm-hmm. that would have caused complications. It also came up that there was no da- data that showed an IV alert was going off. So in this conversation, he's saying there's an IV alert going off. That's why I went in there. That's the situation. But then when they checked the IV, the machine, the machine was like, I never put off any alerts. Correct. Because there would be, I'm sure, an electronic record of that. Yeah. So in addition to that inconsistency, Dr. Kenneth Layton, a radiologist, reviewed brain scan images of Greenaway, Kalina, Lafferty, and Clark, which are the four victims. He shared that he had never seen such a massive amount of air in the arteries of the brain as he did in Greenaway, Chris Greenaway's scan. He also said that he was neurologically intact following his heart surgery, exactly like what Dr. Turner said, and the damage had to have happened sometimes after that. Another nurse, uh, Ben Raspberry, which... A name. You know I love a fruit name. You are peaches and raspberry. I'm into a fruit name. I'm okay with that. Ben Raspberry asked 
Davis to watch Chris Greenaway. He's like, I'm going to go pick up lunch. Can you watch this patient? He comes back minutes later. His patient is coding. So something is very seriously wrong. And he's like, dude, what happened? I was only gone for a little while. And Davis is like, I don't know. His blood pressure is suddenly very high. Like, what's wrong with you? Well, we know. Several things. We do. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. So in front of the jury, this radiologist is looking at scans. He's like, all the patients have similar patterns of air inside their brains. These would have caused a stroke and possibly death. Um, All four patients had air that came into the brain from an injection into the arteries, and each of these had to have happened after the surgeries. So there is a common denominator in all of the victims. So unfortunately for Davey, he's the only nurse assigned to the cardiac ICU unit during all of the incidents, and there's, like, surveillance to prove it. So right. Idiot. I'm sure also there's like clock in and clock out records. Right. And while he might have been. All of this is tracked. While he might have been checking on specific patients who were under somebody else's care, he is the only consistent nurse or or staff member on all of the cases. Right. So you done got caught. Period. The prosecutors made the case for the death penalty by putting capital murder on the table. Because I was like, what What quantify, like, what would get someone the death penalty? Right. And it's because they said capital murder and not, like, first-degree murder. Oh, I see. What is that distinction? Do you know? It's, like, it's the chart, like, what the consequences could be. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Basically, the difference in is, like, life without parole or the or death Or the penalty. death penalty. Yeah. And just for anybody who doesn't know, Texas is one of only 24 states in the U.S. that has the death penalty still. And which we won't get into that topic. We don't have to. Though yeah. I'd love to. Um, but they felt they had the grounds to do it. And I really think they were seeking that because of how he had contrived these situations to murder people. Yeah. Um, they worked closely with the hospital staff who were just, like, shocked at all aspects of the issues here. Medical experts were called in by the police. As we've said, they, they had patients... Um, that suffered air embolisms in their brain. And they said that the evidence proved that the air bubbles were essentially on purpose and listed the cause of death as homicide in on the death records. Right. So that was really helpful from the hospital on in the opinion of the prosecutors. Right. Because essentially all of these scans and things that they have prove that it cannot have been accidental. Correct. Yeah. So the jury deliberated for about an hour before finding him guilty of capital murder, which we love a decisive jury. And if it takes them less than an hour... Mm-hmm. So the jury also felt that he had a, quote, probability of being a danger to society, which I think also contributed to the capital murder charges. Yeah. Like the prosecutor and the jury both think if he gets out, mm-hmm. he's going to keep doing shit. Yeah. And they so they deliberated for an hour to decide that he was guilty. And then they deliberated for like two hours on the sentencing because you have to have that separate deliberation, I think, at this level. That totally makes sense. So. He's found guilty, and then he's going to sentencing phase. So during this phase, he told his now ex-wife, which shout out to you, girl, mm-hmm. um, for being the ex-wife. I would have left quick, fast, in a hurry. Same. In a, like, recorded jailhouse phone conversation, winner, winner, they record you. Why are you an idiot? Right. He said he was trying to elongate their stay in the hospital to make and making them sicker on purpose because he wanted more time, like, more reason to go to work, like, whatever. Right. And then he said... In a conversation that the deaths were accidental, which, bitch, right. one mistake. One, not 11. Um, one of his nurse friends essentially said 
He didn't even need overtime like that. They were apparently understaffed, so overtime was up for the taking. You could have it if you wanted it. The same work peer said, quote, it doesn't make sense. My take on Will is that he was just a sick guy who wanted to kill. And it's really sad because he was trying to, like, explain away some of this. Right. Um, And, like, he was like, oh, I wanted overtime. And that's why his friend was like, what the fuck? We all had overtime. We had all the overtime. We all of the overtime was available. <laughs> yeah. And he kept doing it over and over. Yeah. The district attorney, Jacob Putman, said that... And when they, this case was presented to our office uh, and we talked to the medical experts, the only conclusion you can come to is someone who would do something like this would have to be cold and calloused and unfeeling. Uh, he also made the claim that he did it to prolong their stay at the hospital, except that the first four that we know about died basically immediately. Even if that were true, and that he somehow was trying to prolong their illness, for someone to do that, kill their patient, and then try again. Again, you have to be the kind of person who has no empathy, who does not care for another person, uh, who is unconcerned with their well-being, uh, who feels no guilt. Uh, so to do that certainly four times, uh, that's not the kind of person that's just looking for extra shifts. He said, quote, he doesn't need a reason to do it. He does it because he likes it, adding that the prosecution has proved without a doubt that Davis is a danger. He also noted that Davis's second child was born in December 2017 when all of this happened after Pamela Henderson, one of his victims, was injured in November and before Kalina, his final victim, experienced brain damage in January. So right between that, his second child was born. Yeah. And I wanted to bring that up because while you were talking about his wife, I'm like, let's talk about the fact that he had a baby. He took a month off so that he could continue murdering people. Yeah. The district attorney Putman said he doesn't care for his family. He doesn't care for anybody. He just wanted to murder people. With the facts that we have, with the evidence that we have, a serial killer being in the hospital is the only thing that makes sense. And that's on period, bitch. Like, that's it. And they were great because they got him. The hospital put out a statement and they said, we hope that the court's decision and the conclusion of this trial will bring some peace to the families of the victims and to the victims who are irreparably harmed by William Davis. Mm -hmm. We will continue to pray for peace and healing of the families, our associates and community and all involved. So the sentence came on October 19th of 2021. And that was like eight days after they convicted him. And it's immediately goes to the appeals process for for the death penalty mm-hmm. um and that can take like 10 to 12 years so yeah. by the time it gets to the court system i i mean i understand due process i get it completely but it's kind of sad to me that the family has to the families have to go through all of these appeals over and over often they have to testify and give like victim impact statements over and over again at each of these appeals So it'll be a long, drawn-out process for them. Even if they do feel like they got justice, it's not over for them. We really hope that the conclusion of this trial brought some peace. We really hope that they feel like they got some justice, and, and hopefully this can bring, you know, this terrible ordeal to a close. And they get a little bit of peace, um, even after all of the horrible things that have happened to them. Well, he's behind bars. And that's what we know about that. That's the case of... William George Davis, medical serial killer. And that's when we know Willie Davey. 
If you have any recommendations for a topic for us to cover, please send us a DM like our friends. Rate and review us. Like and subscribe. Hit us up on social meds or at malpracticepodcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. Yeah. You got anything else? I did it. You did it. That was great. I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. And don't forget. Malpractice malpractice makes makes perfect. perfect.